Pope Francis has officially laicized Father Frank Bavone. That means he has removed him from the clerical state, which would de facto mean he can never say mass, public or private, hear confessions, except in an extreme case of emergency, as someone dying. In other words, he has completely canceled Father Frank Pavone for blasphemy on social media. And I interviewed Father Frank Pavone just a couple of days ago. I'd encourage you to watch that interview. And in that interview, there were two details in particular that stood out to me. And since then, yesterday, I got an email from Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano with a defense of Father Frank Pavone. And uh, it's a firecracker. If you want to read along, I'm going to read it today. But if you want to follow along with me, you can do that over at taylormarshall.com. That's my website forward slash vegano. If you go there right now, you can click on it and you can follow along with me. I'll also put it on the screen. So, yeah, this is a big firecracker. Archbishop Vigano is coming out strong, as is everybody. There are some people who are not with Father Frank Pavone, but most people are scandalized by this fact. We're going to get into it. Why? The Father Rupnik case. You know, priests molesting and raping nuns and being not laicized. And then Father Frank Pavone is in trouble because he used the word GD with reference to President Joe Biden. Not that I approve of that or recommend that. In fact, Father Frank Pavone on this podcast, on this channel, said, he went to confession for it. And then the other is displaying an aborted baby on a live cast on a table that looks like an altar for this and for disobeying his bishop. He's been laicized. And Archbishop Vigano says, this is unjust and this is illegitimate. So we're talking about the cancellation of Father Frank Pavone. So the two things that I thought were interesting in that interview is that Father Frank Pavone told me that the reason there is no appeal for Father Frank Pavone is because it came from Francis. And there is no higher authority in the church above Francis, except for, of course, Jesus Christ, Our Lady, and the Saints. But here on earth, under jurisdiction, there is no higher office. So that was the first detail that I found interesting. The second detail was that in the debate over whether Father Frank Pavone obeyed or disobeyed his bishop, he said that he was reinstated in Rome. This is a while back. His bishop, Bishop Zurich, said he was. And then a week later, Bishop Zurich said, you're not. Because Archbishop so-and-so in Rome said, you're not. So Father Frank Pavone got on an airplane. He went to Rome. He met with him. He said, that's not what I said at all. And then Father Frank Pavone came back to America and confronted his bishop and said, that's not what they said. In fact, he said the opposite. And Father Frank Pavone's argument here, his defense is, I'm trying to be obedient to the church in her hierarchy, but if my immediate superior, my bishop, Bishop Zurich, is not communicating or, um, what's the right word here? I guess we could say binding and loosing, to use a church word. If he's not if he's not using his jurisdiction to implement what came above him, how can I be obedient when there's deception, lies, and contradictions in that chain of command? 
and, Pope, and uh, Father Frank Pavone says that he has demonstrated that. So, in walks Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano. He has a statement we're going to look at today. I want you to follow with me. And again, you can go to my website, taylormarshall.com forward slash Vigano and follow along. Before we get into all of that, we are going to pray. And uh, we're, we're two days from Christmas when I'm filming this, December 23rd. When I was a kid, we called this Christmas Eve Eve. And we're going to pray the Our Father. Oremus. <clears throat> Nomine Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pater Noster, qui es in Celi, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum. Fiat voluntas tua, sicut in cello et in terra. Panum nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et temite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed liberad nos amalo. Amen. Nomine Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. All right, if you want to learn to pray in Latin, pronounce Latin, respond in Latin at the Latin Mass, I'd like you to go to newsaintthomas.com. Newsaintthomas.com is where I teach online courses. We have a whole course on the Latin Mass and the Roman Rite. Check it out. Newsaintthomas.com. There it is on the screen. Two T's. Okay, Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, that's the wrong page, has stated in a new document that this judgment is illicit and unjust. Illicit and unjust. That's YouTube. How can I get the right page? <laughs> Aha. I want Microsoft Word. Let's see if that works. Pardon me. Sometimes you have things queued. There it is. Agere sequitur essay is the name of this declaration. It means to do, to act, follows to be. In other words, your actions follow your essence. Your essence guides your actions. And as you can see, it's a declaration of Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano regarding the canonical sanctions imposed on Father Frank A. Pavone. And we're going to go through it today. So the opening line, Agere sequitur esse, to do follows to be. So we are taught by the scholastic philosophy, the actions of every being depends on the nature of that being. It follows that a person's actions are consistent with who that person is. We find confirmation of this principle of ontology in the canonical sanctions recently imposed by the Holy See on Father Frank A. Pavone, a well-known and appreciated pro-life priest who for decades has been committed to the battle against the horrible crime of abortion. I'll pause here. Isn't it kind of sad that we have to say pro-life priests. Why is it that not all priests are vocally pro-life? I've said it before and I'll say it again. I've heard of people, heard of women going to confession, 
struggling with the idea of abortion. I want to, and the priest says it's okay if you follow your conscience if you get the abortion, given your circumstances. These priests are still in good standing in the church. So it's sad that we have to even say pro-life priest. All priests should be pro-life. Do you agree? Can I get an amen? All right, please like the video. Here we go. If a Roman dicastery decides to electrocute a priest with reduction to the lay state, accusing him of blasphemy, and preventing him from having the ability to defend himself legally in a canonical trial. And if at some at that same time, analogous decisions are not taken with regard to notorious, heretical, corrupt, and fornicating clergy, it is not out of place to ask if such a persecutory action reveals a persecutory mind. And if an action against a good priest who has worked strenuously to oppose abortion reveals the hatred of the persecutor with regard to the good and those who fight for it. You see what Archbishop Vigano is saying here? It basically goes back to what Jesus says. You know a tree by its fruit. You know the essence of the thing by what it does. So if a Roman dicastery and Pope Francis and the Vatican persecute a pro-life priest who made some mistakes, who admits he made some mistakes, but I don't think any of us would say it's blasphemy. If he gets laicized and defrocked, but yet you have pervert priests who are, in the words of Vigano, notorious heretical, corrupt, and fornicating clergy, they get to prance around in their rainbow stoles and their rainbow gear and fornicate with nuns and their boyfriends and uh, browse on the Grinder app to find boyfriends and anonymous illicit sodomy. They're okay. Who am I to judge? You know a fruit, I mean, you know a tree, by its fruit. Actually, you know a fruit by the fruits. You can say that too, and it would be accurate. Freudian slip right there. Here we go. Let's go. This unjust and illegitimate punishment becomes all the more hateful the closer we come to the Holy, to Holy Christmas. And if we consider that by the killing of innocent children, the enemy of the human race wants to kill the infant king. Amen. Solid. Let's keep going. Let's go, Archbishop Vigano. Let's do this. This is a short letter. It's only two pages, as you can see. There you go. But this one's a firecracker. The Rogolian sect eclipses the Catholic Church with its, air, with its arrogant occupation of leadership posts and scandalously abuses its authority for a purpose opposed to that for which our Lord, the head of the church, has intended it. There is no area of doctrine, morals, discipline, or liturgy that has not been the object of its vandalizing action. That's true. Think about a vandalist. They got their spray paint, and they spray paint their their gang names and their nicknames. 
all over walls and trains and metros. I can never read any. Are these people illiterate? I can never understand why they're wasting spray paint writing all this nonsense. But you think about it. The Bregolian sect or the St. Gallen Mafia or the modernists, the liberals, the infiltrators, they have vandalized doctrine, morals, discipline, and liturgy. They come in with their cheap spray paint and they just shh all over it. And by shh all over it, you can interpret that how you want. But they vandalize that which is good, true, and beautiful. And we have noticed it. And we're not going to remain quiet anymore. And we're not going to continue to donate to the diocesan bishop's appeal or Peter's Pence while y'all vandalize that which is sacred. And that has to do with your stamps and your weird nativity scenes and your homoerotic murals and your felt banners and your cheese ball chasubles and all this nonsense. You're vandalizing that which is sacred. Nothing, says Archbishop Vigano, is being saved of the little that remained after 60 years of systematic demolition, demol, demolition through the work of the Second Vatican Council and that which survives as a crumbling reminder of the glories of days gone by is under the constant threat of new and worse devastation. As if the 70s and 80s and the 90s couldn't be bad enough for irreverence and sacrilege and pedophilia and sodomy. The Bregolian sect pushes it to all new limits. Y'all ready for the next line? It's a big one. This is the firecracker I was talking about. Let's do it. It is therefore evident that the Roman Sanhedrin, whose work baffles even the most cautious interpreters of Vatican affairs, has a purpose of persecuting the good and promoting evildoers. Hold up. Archbishop Vigano said Roman Sanhedrin. As you know, the Sanhedrin was the synod in Jerusalem. It was the governing synod underneath the high priest, modeled on the 72 elders established by Moses. And it is true. In the Catholic Church, we often see the College of Cardinals as sort of the, it was at one point limited to 72, as the advising, the advisory board of brothers to the Holy Father. But the term Sanhedrin recalls the persecution and crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Vigano says, the case of the cancellation of Father Pavone is the umpteenth demonstration that this purpose is being carried out with ferocious obstinacy, both in order to feed a climate of terror among the clergy, so as to constrain them into servile and fearful obedience, and also to create disorientation and scandal among the faithful and others who still look to the church as a moral point of reference. I mean, let's just think about this for a second. Let's say you're a traditional holy priest, you're hearing confessions, you love souls, 
You want people to go to heaven. You, you actually spend time studying and preparing and practicing for your sermons on Sunday. Maybe you, you celebrate the traditional Latin Mass or the Divine Liturgy of St. John Chrysostom. You, you practice the liturgy with devotion and reverence. And you look out and you're like, ooh, Father Frank Pavone just got canceled. Maybe I shouldn't preach on pro-life this Sunday. Maybe I should keep my head down around the bishop. Maybe I'll dial back my sermons over the next two years so as not to draw attention to me. Maybe I won't speak out about Pachamamas or idols or syncretism in the church. I'm not going to deny the faith, but I am going to dial things back. I'm not going to be as bold, because look what happened to Father Frank Pavone. See, that is the climate of terror that Archbishop Vigano is talking about. Scare them. Even traditional Latin Mass priests, they love the Mass. They love the sacraments. They love their people. The thought that they would be laicized, that they'd go off and you know have to be a, a waiter or a barber or a UPS truck driver, nothing wrong with any of those things, but to have to put down the maniple and take off the Roman collar and the cassock and enter in to lay civilian life, to mute their vocation for the rest of their life. That's scary. You know, it's one thing if the state comes and wants to kill you for your faith. Well, you're a martyr. You go straight to heaven. But what if the Pope wants to take you out because you're too vocal on things that make people uncomfortable? Let's get back into it with Archbishop Vigano because he's going to start talking about Rupnik. All of this, here I am right here. You can follow this at taylormarshall.com forward slash Vigano. All of this is happening at the same time that the Jesuit priest Marco Ivan Rupnik, on whom a sentence is pending for various serious canonical crimes that carry with them the punishments of excommunication, late sententiae, has his canonical penalty remitted by his Jesuit confrere and companion who lives in Santa Marta. He's talking about Pope Francis. Bergoglio. And while the Roman Curia is infested with unpresentable characters who are notoriously corrupt and heretical sodomites and fornicators, the Vatican is worm-eaten with sodomites. Fornicators. Heretics. It's like an old rotten apple with worms writhing through it. And we're going to go and crush the head of Father Frank Pavone? What? You know, we're just lay people out here, but we have eyes, we have ears, and we have minds. We watch all this, what you're doing, Pope Francis, Perilin, Dicastrian clergy. We're not dumb. We want to be faithful. 
We want to be obedient to Rome, the apostolic see, and to the Holy Father with all of our filial heart. But we're not dumb. You, you, you think you do all this and we don't notice? You think we're just out there praying our beads with our eyes closed? Well, we're praying our beads, but our eyes are open. We see what you're doing to the priests and to the nuns that we love, what you've done to our nuns, our cloistered nuns who want to live cloistered and quiet as brides of Christ, what you've done to disturb their canonical life. We see it. We know. Put idols on altars. No, it's just an indigenous statue. It's an indigenous statue representing a South American goddess. It's called an idol. We're not dumb. We know the Ten Commandments. The first commandment, no other gods before me. No graven image of foreign gods, strange gods. We learned all that when we were catechized. They think you're so they think we're so dumb. Vigano says, Bergoglian acolytes are distinguished in this manner. The graver their crimes, the more prestigious the positions they hold. You know, there's, a, there's different kinds of people. You probably had a lot of bosses. If you're an older person, you've had bosses, superiors in the military or in, in the corporate world. Some bosses are a pleasure to work with. They see talent. They see people who are smarter than them and they promote them. My dad was very successful and he always said, you know, part of being successful is knowing who, if I was the B level mind, finding all the A level minds and promoting them to lift us all up. Okay. So that's, that's a good way to do management, but then you have bad ways of management. You see person who's a B, a B level or a C level. And anytime they see someone who's an A or B level, they get jealous and they push those people away. They push them down. They fire them. Because they can't stand the idea that they're not the smartest person in the room. They're threatened by it. That's one way of doing management. But there's another way of doing management which is much more sinister. It's evil. It's wicked. It's not just pride. And it's this. In order to have absolute allegiance from my staff, my team, my employees... I need to manipulate them with guilt and blackmail. This is where you get into gangster level, Sicilian level tactics of management. You actually choose those who are most compromised because you know their secrets. That way they can never turn on you. You've got them. If they come after you, all you have to do is allow their history to unfold in the public square. And in those kind of situations, you have a leader who's very manipulative and you see the most corrupt people rise to the top because the leader of this mafia knows that he can have infallible 100% allegiance over people because he controls their future, because he controls their secrets. So why is the Vatican so full of pedophiles, sodomites, 
heretics and people with long lists of naughtiness in their past. Connect the dots. Connect the dots. It's sad. But you know what? After almost 10 years of this, it's manifest and it's obvious. Let's get back to Archbishop Vigano. We're at the end here. He says, in the face of this violation of the most elementary principles of justice and governmental prudence, as well as the blatant determination of the highest levels of the hierarchy to act contra mentum legis against the mind of the law, it is necessary that the cardinals and bishop understand the various serious consequences of their complicit silence and that they courageously raise their voices in defense of the healthy part of the ecclesial body. This duty is imposed by respect for the Catholic truth, truth which has been violated, the honor of Holy Mother Church, who has been humiliated by her own prelates, and the eternal salvation of souls, which has been endangered by the words and actions of evil shepherds who are usurping an authority that does not belong to them, but rather to Christ the King and High Priest, the head of the mystical body. You know, I've said it once and I'll say it again. Cardinal Bellarmine says that the cardinals need to come together whenever the Pope is under suspicion for two things. And those two things are heresy and tyranny. You can look it up. St. Robert Bellarmine, Doctor of the Church, in his book, De Ecclesia, on the Church. De Ecclesia, he says... If the Roman pontiff, the Pope, should fall under suspicion of tyranny or heresy, he should be admonished and there should be a canonical process that moves forward. Because elsewhere he says that the Pope would fall de facto from the office of papacy if he were to be a manifest heretic. There must be an admonishment by the cardinals. We must see the cardinals, the good cardinals, stand up and begin a canonical process to admonish the Pope canonically. I don't. We don't have to just sit here and just. I don't know what to do. It's just so bad. I don't. Oh, I just want to be obedient. I don't. No, there is a process given to us by Saint Robert Bellarmine. It's like everyone in the world pretends it doesn't exist or doesn't know it exists. Can we get five to 10 to 20 cardinals to just do it? Final paragraph. I'm glad to see Archbishop Vigano, by the way, is calling for it. If only he were a cardinal. If only he were a cardinal. Hmm. Final paragraph. If serving the church and defending the life of innocent creatures in this time of apostasy constitutes a crime worthy of dismissal from the clerical state, while promoting abortion and gender ideology and violating consecrated virgins is not deemed liable to excommunication, then Father Pavone ought to consider this shameful Vatican decision to be a source of pride. Recalling our Savior's words, Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every manner of evil against you falsely because of me. Matthew 
And whoever has inculpated himself as an accomplice of this persecution against the good ought to tremble at the thought of the judgment which awaits them. Deus non iridator. God shall not be mocked. Galatians 6 7. Signed, Carlo Maria Vigano, Archbishop, December 22, 2022, which was yesterday. There it is. How can it be that the Jesuit Father Rupnik is violating? consecrated nuns, presumably violating consecrated virgins, and he's in good standing right now. Meanwhile, Father Frank Pavone is not. We need some more clarity. Why the double standard, Pope Francis? Why the double standard? Why do you promote idols? Why do you promote heretics? Why do you appoint people, priests, who have a sexually illicit past? Why is it after 10 years, the Vatican Bank scandal is worse, more scandalous? Our Lord Jesus Christ, the true King of the church, says you shall know them by their fruit. The fruit is rotten and the fruit has worms in it. I'm not eating that fruit. I want to eat the pure fruit that comes from sacred scripture, the 12 apostles, the desert fathers, the church fathers, the consecrated virgins and nuns, who gave us pure devotions like the Sacred Heart, the Holy Face, like the Little Flower. I want to listen to them. That fruit right there is nutritious and delicious. That fruit is infused with the grace of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to eat bad catechesis, irreverent liturgy, Communion in the hand. Communion on the floor. I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want my kids to go to Mass and hear heretical sermons. I don't want to get letters from the bishop talking to me about political issues that pertain to the Democratic Party, but not to the four canonical Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. We want goodness. And with that goodness, the peace. The peace that passes all understanding that comes from the Prince of Peace. Isn't that what you want? Leave a comment. Let me know. Over here on the side. If you're on the live chat or comment below, worry about it, like the video. Make sure you share it and subscribe. You know, I want to go to confession and hear from a priest, why did you do that? You know, I listened to your sins and it, it really seems that your sins pertain to 
this area of your life? What can we do to help? What can we do to put those sins to death and become holy? Here's some penance. Do some penance. You know, I don't want my teenage kids to go into confession struggling with something, and then the priest say, "Well, that's not really. Well, that's not really a sin. I mean, you can have sex with your boyfriend if you love him." No. I want my kids to hear authentic Catholic morality and theology. As a parent, that's what I want. I want to be able to send my kids to Catholic middle schools, high schools, and colleges where they will be taught pure doctrine and pure morality and be encouraged to become saints. I don't want them to go to a Catholic high school or college and be taught liberal Protestant theology. Am I asking for too much as a Catholic? Are my expectations too high? Should I just, as a Catholic father, say, you know what, the, her the heresy is going to be in the sermons, and yeah, I mean, my eight kids are all probably going to lose the faith and go to hell. Oh, well. Is that, is that really what they expect me to conclude? No. Not going to happen. What do y'all think? I'll take a couple comments and questions right now. You can leave a comment below. Please leave a comment below. If you're in the live chat right now, you can uh, leave a question or comment in the live chat. If you put a question mark, I'm more likely to see it. So, yeah, I mean, there's some things we need to do. We need to encourage our priests. We need to love our priests. We need to pray for the Pope and fast for him. Pray and fast for the Cardinals. Are you doing that? Did you know before Vatican II, Christmas Eve was a day of penance and no meat? It's not binding anymore, but it used to be that Christmas Eve was a day of no meat. A purple day, violet day, penance day. This is why in Europe, almost all recipes for Christmas Eve dinners are fish-based or vegetarian. Are we doing penance? Or are we obsessed with luxury? Ken McRae says, you are not expecting too much. Definitely not. I don't think so either. I'm expecting the promises of God, the sacraments, the liturgy, the scripture, and the clergy to fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ on earth as it is in heaven. That's what I'm expecting. I don't expect Jesuit priests to have sex with nine nuns like Father Rubnik. I don't expect that. And if he does do that, he should be cast out. He can repent. We want him to go to confession. But he doesn't get to be a priest. You know, you, you don't get to have sex with nuns as a priest and then still be like somebody's pastor. Or the Monsignor who was caught using the Grinder app in Washington, D.C. Guess what? A month ago, he was reassigned as a pastor of a parish. The dude was trolling for gay sodomy sex on a grinder app, and he's in good standing. Taylor, can canon law be changed to make revisions to remove a bad pope? Canon law can only be changed and promulgated by a pope. But we already know. If a pope is a manifest heretic, he loses the papacy de facto. I've been saying that over and over. Oh, are you saying that Pope Francis lost the papacy? I'm not saying that because I'm only a layman on a webcam on a camera right now. I don't have that authority. I don't have that epistemic knowledge. 
but I think it's worth talking about. I think it's worth the Cardinals raising the question and bringing the the admonitions forward as St. Robert Bellarmine said. All right. The church is alive and well. The Vatican is sick. Absolutely correct. The Catholic Church is one holy Catholic and apostolic. The church is the bride of Christ. We love the church. The church is not promulgating error. The church is not leading people to hell. The church leads people to heaven. It's infiltrators and serpents and snakes and heretics that have weaseled, them, weaseled their way into the church, infiltrated the church, and are confusing people. We must identify them and throw them out. So thank you for making that point. Very good. Revelation 12.1 has a good one. Our Lady of Fatima, may your immaculate heart triumph soon. Amen. We're going to pray Hail Mary in a little bit. Uriel's machine. Is it not true that the restrainer, that the restrainer is removed at a critical time in his plan? Yes, it is. The katakon in Greek. Katakon. There's katakon and katakon in Greek. Long O on one of them. One's neuter, one's male. That is the restrainer. And St. Paul teaches that a time will come when the katakon, the restrainer, is removed, is taken away, and that will prepare the way for the Antichrist. If you want to understand all of this, not in my point of view, but in the Church Fathers, please check out my new book, Antichrist and Apocalypse. That's where there's a whole section on the restrainer in St. Paul in the Bible and the restrainer being taken away, the katakon, what that means what it could mean, and what the Church Fathers suggested it meant. Antichrist in Apocalypse. If you want a signed version of the book, make sure you get it over at patreon.com forward slash drtaylormarshall. Patreon.com forward slash drtaylormarshall. So yeah, that's a good point. Maybe the restrainer has been taken out of the way. What does that mean? I talk about it in the book. It's a good comment, though. Bergoglio is the head, uh, Aldo says, Bergoglio is the head of the idolatrous LGBT church. Interesting comment. Are there snakes in the Vatican? Yes. Okay. Uh, people are saying, what's the news? I just joined. So if you're watching the live chat, you come in late, you can always at the bottom grab the little red bar and scroll it all the way back to the end because sometimes when I'm 30 minutes in, I'd love to rephrase the whole video for everyone that comes in late, but it's not fair to everyone else is here. So you can just start earlier in the show and get caught up to us. Uh, Jose R says, disgraceful what's happening. It seems there's no end to it. Yeah, you know, Francis is, people call him a destroyer. They call Francis the destroyer. They say he is Francis the destroyer. I like the image that Archbishop Vigano used about the Bergoglian sect as vandalizing the theology, the, mor the morals, and the liturgy of the church. They don't, they don't revere what was passed down to them. They don't revere it as priceless treasure taken from one pope in the Holy See and then transferred to another pope through the College of Cardinals. Like, it's so precious. You know, it's like a, 
It's like a 1952 Mickey Mantle card, PSA 10 graded, perfect. And you would get it and you wouldn't just be like, that's cool, you know, like throw it on the ground or put it in your backpack. You'd just be like, oh my goodness, this is so precious. Wow, look at this. I got to pass it on and and just be so careful. No, just be so careful. Don't even touch it. That's just so pure. No, that's how we should be acting about the sacred tradition and dogmas of the Catholic Church, not being cavalier. There's no respect. There's no reverence for the sacred tradition. And that's because there's no reverence or respect for the Eucharist. Oh, I know. Let's take Jesus off the altar and we'll put him in a broom closet down the hallway. And uh, that way people won't be confused about the real presence in the mass and the real presence in the tabernacle. And then, um, yeah, and then nobody would find Jesus anyway. Yeah, that's wrong. I mean, why would you take God out of the church and put him down the hall in a broom closet like he's in timeout. These liberal, modernist sodomites. They are destroying the church and it's disgraceful. All right, one more comment and question. Hmm. Bernadette Gray. Why are people more afraid to lose popularity than speak for the unborn? Please show the picture of the aborted baby that Frank father frank pavone showed i don't have the picture yeah you can find it um but no we should we should be defending the unborn i mean that's one of the reasons i became catholic you know before i was catholic i was an episcopalian priest did you know that i was father taylor marshall i wore a collar and i remember once i preached a sermon about to the episcopalian my congregation about how we need to be pro-life and we also need to be anti-contraception. I preach that. And one of the prominent donors at our parish came to speak with me that week after I preached this sermon against abortion. And he said to me, you know, Father Marshall, we love you, you're conservative, and we like your messages and all that, but you know, abortion is, is a political issue. I said, okay. And because it's a political issue, it's divisive amongst people. I said, I understand. And so I really think in your preaching, you should stick more to the Bible and the gospel lesson and not veer into politics when you preach. I was not a Catholic at the time, but I looked at this man and I said, well, isn't one of the Ten Commandments in the Bible, thou shalt not kill? And he's like, yes. And I said, well, then shouldn't I be preaching that we should not kill, even if it's the unborn? He goes, yeah, it's very political, though. It's a political issue. I said, it's not a political issue. But in that moment, I knew that being not in that, that was one of the moments. It wasn't the definitive moment. In that moment, I began to realize that as an Episcopalian priest, I would be limited in my ministry because the laity were going to object to me saying such things. And I didn't have an encyclical, and I didn't have a magisterium, and I didn't have a pope. I didn't have anything on my side. I could just quote the Bible, which is good, but I was missing so many other tools. And that's one of the reasons why I later became a Catholic and I became a Catholic layman. 
So it, it bothers me to enter into the Catholic Church where we have the Bible against abortion, the Church Fathers against abortion, tradition against abor abortion, popes, encyclicals against abortion, catechisms against abortion, all of that. And then yet we still have clergy, and then we even have the President of the United States of America says he's a devout Catholic, and yet he promotes the slaughter of the unborn. even up to the third trimester, even during birth, and wants everyone to pay for it with their tax money. I mean, I know I didn't, but did I just go into the cul-de-sac of the Catholic Church and come back out and enter back into the Episcopal Church? Because when you look at Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden, it sure does feel like the, the Episcopal Church. And I might loop in there as well, uh, Pope Francis. Oh, don't talk about that. That's a political issue. No, it's a life issue. It's a God issue. It's a gospel issue. We must talk about pro-life. We must. All right, one more. Yeah, perfect. This is it. Forever Young says, no rebuke of Biden from Francis says it all. Boom. Right? I mean, doesn't that say it all? Biden wants Roe v. Wade back. He has said so. So is Nancy Pelosi. They want to take your tax money. You go and work at a store as a clerk. You're a lawyer, right? You're a painter. They want to take a portion of every dollar you make, 18 to 37% of every dollar you make, and they want to put it towards the causes they choose. And one of those causes that they want part of your dollar to go towards is the murder of babies in America and the murder of babies abroad in other nations. President Joe Biden, who says he's a Catholic, wants that to happen. Yes, and he wants to pay abortion doctors, doctors, they're not really doctors, to do their misdeeds, the slaughter of the unborn, with your money, with taxpayer money. He wants it to be illegal and he wants you to pay for it. And not once does he get admonished by Pope Francis. Pope Francis says, you're a good Catholic, keep receiving communion. Biden goes to Rome and he receives communion on camera. He flaunts it. Zero discipline. Zero. And then this happens. Father Frank Pavone is vocal about it, and he gets the, it says it all. It just says it all. Forever Young, your comment is the comment of the day. No rebuke of Biden from Francis says it all. So what are we going to do? Well, we're going to pray the rosary every day. You better believe that. I'm going to pray the rosary every day, even when you're tired. Last night, it was late. My eyes were killing me. I had a headache. I was, we hadn't prayed the rosary. It was getting close to 11 o'clock. I was exhausted. I wasn't feeling well. I didn't make a video yesterday because I wasn't feeling well. And I was like, I don't want to pray the rosary. I don't want to pray the rosary. This is one of the, I got to be on the team, but I don't want to be on the team. I'm so tired. My eyes hurt. Maybe I'll just do a decade and just go to bed. And I'm like, nope, get the kids. Let's do it. 
and I struggled. I got to say, it wasn't my most pious rosary of my whole life. But we got to pray the rosary. And we prayed the rosary of the family. So just know, Dr. Taylor Marshall isn't always gung-ho on praying the rosary every day. Some days it's a struggle. God forgive me for not being enthusiastic about it last night. It can be a struggle, but we got to pray that rosary every day. You know, do you think soldiers in war wake up every morning ready to go at it again? No, I'm, there's days when they're just, they're spent, they're done. It doesn't matter. You pick up the beads, you keep marching on. We got to pray the rosary every blessed day. All right, let's do, uh, let's pray the Hail Mary together. Oremus in nomine Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, or pronobis peccatoribus, nunc et or mortis nostre. Amen. Nomine Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. All right, if you want to get, uh, you know, there is, a, there is a private revelation that there will be a holy monarch, sometimes called the great French monarch, and a holy pope that will reestablish the church after a time of darkness and of disarray. I pray that that's true. It's in the Holzhauser private revelations and other private revelations. I collect them all for you in Antichrist and Apocalypse. Uh, and also go through the Restrainer, the Catacone, the Mark of the Beast, Whore of Babylon. And as a lot of these topics do relate to the papacy, all in the Church Fathers. So if you want, check out my new book, number one bestseller. It'd be a great Christmas gift. You get two-day shipping still, and you can get it by Christmas, Antichrist and Apocalypse. You can also get a signed copy. I know a lot of people are out there getting signed copies of Antichrist and Apocalypse and other books because their family and friends went to patreon.com forward slash drtaylormarshall. You can support this channel support my writing, and support my video and media outreach by going to patreon.com forward slash drtaylormarshall, and I'll send you a rosary, signed books, and other amazing, cool stuff. Also, if you want to move, at the end of every year, we think about how to go, what could be better. Maybe you want to live in an area that's more conservative, that's more pro-life with a traditional Latin mass and better schools, like what I was talking about earlier in the show. I'd encourage you to go to realestateforlife.org. They can help you sell your house anywhere in the world and move to where you want to go with an agent who has the same values as you. That's why you need to go to realestateforlife.org. Let's hire one another and hire and work with people who are like-minded, right? We don't need, we don't need atheists and pro-aborts and all the people helping. We need to work with our own people. And that's why I recommend realestateforlife.org and tell them you heard about it on the Dr. Taylor Marshall show. Until next time, remember our Lord Jesus Christ is you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless and God speed. Oh, and don't forget like and share.